Now listen, how many of you understand the Bible says that God speaks those things that are not uh, as though they already were. That means that he doesn't identify things uh, by their current circumstances, uh, but he calls them according uh, to his perfect will. That's why you might be sick this morning, uh, but God declares healed uh, when he sees you. Uh, and you might be under financial distress, uh, but when God sees you, uh, he declares blessing uh, over the top of your life. Uh, and if God calls things that are not uh, as though they already were, uh, I wonder if there's somebody in the building uh, that would go ahead and praise him. Uh, not because of where you are, uh, but because of what God said. Uh, oh, if you know uh, that God said it, uh, then praise him uh, for it this morning. Sunday morning in the house of God. 
High five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them it's already done. It's already done. Woo. I don't care if he's been in the grave for four days. When Jesus says, come forth, it's got to live. Come on, I said, when God says, come forth, it has to live. God's got me stuck here for a moment. You see, Jesus, when he approached the tomb of Lazarus, he did not have to speak to his lungs to breathe again. He did not have to prophesy to his heart to start beating again. He did not have to prophesy to his brain to start sending electrical impulses. All he had to say was come forth and everything concerned and connected to that word had to line up and obey. Baby, when God speaks the word, he doesn't have to fool with the details. Everything else will line up to what God said is already. Woo! My God, my God. Y'all can sit down. Y'all acting crazy this morning. Woo! I feel some faith in the house today. It's good to be home this morning. So good to be home in the house of God with God's wonderful people. And uh, let me say thank you so, so much to this church for your kindness and all of the, the, the sweet and encouraging and powerful words that spoken over my wife and I today uh, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in the power of the tongue and I want to say thank you for speaking life over us today we love you so so very much and uh, brother and sister Pack thank you for the kind words and the encouraging words and brother and sister Donnelly uh, thank you so, so very much. Uh, Brother Donnelly, I will forever cherish uh, all of the times we have been able to spend together and uh, going to get cups of coffee. And uh, I would, we'd get done with early morning prayer. And uh, I'd say, let's get some coffee, Brother Donnelly. Sounds good to me. I always wanted to go to Starbucks. He wanted to go to McDonald's. <laughs> he likes McDonald's coffee. And, uh, but uh, I appreciate him and so many beautiful memories over the past nine years of the miraculous in Fort Myers, Florida. Look what the Lord has done. I just need some Lions Club saints to give a shout this morning. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. God's been so good to us. And Brother Donnelly, I remember, uh, I remember one time, I'm just, it's all right this morning, I'm just reminiscing a little bit. I, I remember one time we were going to go fishing and, and uh, I, in passing, said, Brother Donnelly, have you ever went shark fishing before? And he said, no, believe it or not, I never have. And uh, come here, sweetheart. Man, I want my wife next to me this morning. <laughs> Woo! She's all that, a bag of chips and a box of donuts. 
And uh, I, I remember, and no, I've never been shark. So we took Brother Donnelly to Fort Lauderdale to shark fish. And would you believe it? He hooked up on a big old hammerhead shark. I mean, a big boy. And we put Brother Donnelly in the fighting chair. Uh, how, how old are you now, Brother Donnelly? 81. So he's still in his 70s. And he got in that fighting chair with that big old shark. And I'll never forget, boy. Whoa. He was real as much as he could. And he'd pull back, and that, that, that captain was trying to help. And, you know, some of us guys, we were taking turns when we'd catch a shark. He'd wear one of us out. And I said, Brother Donnelly, you want one of us to help? No, I got it. I got it. He wouldn't let none of us sit in that chair till that shark was all the way in. How many of you love and appreciate our elders? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're grateful for, for all of the wonderful memories. And uh, I've just got one thing to say. The best is yet to come. You ought to turn and tell your neighbor this morning, you ain't seen nothing yet. Tell him, you ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. We want to take a moment this morning to welcome all of our guests and our visitors that are here in the house of the Lord Rock Church. Can I borrow your hands and your voice? Come on, help me make some noise and welcome all of our guests into the house of the Lord this morning. We are so excited to have you here with us and worshiping with us today. And if this is your very first time here at the Rock Church, uh, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you walked in the building this morning. And if you did not receive one of those, if you would quickly just slip your hand in the air, one of our staff members will quickly bring one to you. And it is an invitation for you to join us briefly after the service in our VIP room. We've got a small gift and some light refreshments, and we'd love an opportunity uh, to spend a couple of moments with you and just tell you how much we love and appreciate you today. Amen, somebody. Amen. And uh, we have a little understanding here at the Rock Church that you are only a guest for five minutes. After that, you're just at home. Amen, somebody? So would you turn around 360 degrees and shake everybody's hand around you and tell them, welcome home this morning. Tell them, welcome home this morning. Welcome home. Welcome home. Amen. So many guests in the building uh, I've been seeing them the past couple of weeks and haven't had the opportunity, but it is so good to see Brother Ernest and Sister Cassandra back home. Amen. How many do you love and appreciate them? We love you all so much, and um, I, I haven't had the opportunity between my travel schedule and, and such, but uh, we, of course, uh, a few weeks ago welcomed Sister Chrislyn Jackson uh, who's here on assignment with her aunt. Uh, but this morning over the pulpit, I want to say welcome to Sister Tiffany Jackson. And uh, this is her aunt. And this is Pastor Wesley Jackson's sister. And uh, we are so honored that she's with us. And uh, she is here working. And uh, we are just delighted and honored. Of course, this church knows uh, Brother Jackson is one of my dearest friends. And uh, any family of his is simply family of ours. Amen, somebody. And we're glad that they're here. 
And uh, I want to also give a great big thank you to this church for all of the continued words of encouragement and uh, appreciation that continue to pour in every day, overflowing from Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, every day that we go to the office, there is a, a new card sitting there for us to read with words of encouragement and kind gifts. And uh, you all just don't know uh, what that can do to set your day right. Amen. And I want to say thank you again for all of your kindness and love. We love you so, so very much. Have we not been having an amazing time in the Holy Ghost here the past couple of weeks? I mean, God has been doing amazing things. Uh, I've been traveling uh, the past couple of weeks, and I want to say how Holy Ghost proud I am of the ministry that has represented me behind this pulpit in my absence. I'm so proud of them. And uh, last Tuesday uh, night, Pastor Sferlaza preached a word from God about losing control. How many of you were blessed by that word from heaven? Amen. And then uh, last Sunday morning, Pastor Trevor Sloss preached about bread and fish in the hands of the master. Was anybody blessed by that word from God? And then Sunday evening, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, Brother Judah Williams preached about history has its eyes on you. What a word from God. And then, of course, this past uh, Tuesday night, uh, Pastor Hammond preached a word from heaven about secret sin. Was anybody blessed by the ministry of Pastor Hammond this past week? And, uh, and then last night was our ladies' meeting. Oh, Give Thanks was the theme this year. And uh, uh, Sister Pack was in the house. Brother and Sister Pack, I want y'all to come up here really quick. Just really, really quick if somebody could help them. Man, they've been up and down all morning long, and uh, we're putting some extra miles on them this morning. But uh, I'm going to tell you what. God knows what he's doing. And uh, as you know, this past week on Thursday night, I felt the Lord call us, especially those of us who are here, to a, a three-day fast, time of fasting and prayer. And if you were here Thursday, you will remember uh, that what I felt God speak was that God wanted to break the back of carnality. How many of you have been experiencing a powerful touch from God over the weekend in our time of fasting and prayer. I'm telling you, God has met us here in prayer and uh, some powerful things happening. And uh, as, as I was praying and fasting over what I felt happening Thursday night in prayer, uh, yesterday evening it was time for the women's meeting. And, uh, and, and uh, I, I thought to myself, I, I'm, I'm trying to prepare for Sunday praying and finding the mind of God and 
I felt like God had spoke very clearly to me about service this morning. And, um, but I was still uh, putting things together and it was time for the meeting to start. And so I decided to sneak up into the balcony and uh, Sister Pack probably didn't even know I was there. I don't know if she, she may have seen me, but I snuck up into the balcony and, and I had my Bible and I had my, my iPad and, and everything laid out there. And I was kind of listening and, and trying to, to, to do what, what God. And as God began to use her, it was absolutely in the Holy Ghost with what God was talking to me about. And when I tell you, listen, first of all, if you are a woman in this church and you were not here last night, shame on you. You missed a word that God had for everyone in this house. When I tell you, God used Sister Pack in a profound way in the Holy Ghost. Now listen, I've heard a whole lot of great preaching my whole life. And last night was some powerful, powerful preaching by this woman of God. Thank you, Sister Pack, for following the Holy Ghost and allowing God to use you in such a powerful and profound way. I tell you what, I, I think she needs to, to speak to this church very soon. I think we need to hear from her very soon she's got something to say from God and I love you sister back thank you for following the Holy Ghost this weekend and and uh, only heaven knows the difference that you made with the anointing that's in your life amen would you help me thank God for sister pack brother pack this precious couple of God one more time amen <laughs> amen and uh, God has been doing so many great things. Thank you. You can help them. Uh, God has been doing so many amazing things this week. Uh, last Sunday, Brythe was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Tuesday night, Teresa was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Thursday night, right in the middle of our prayer meeting, Devin was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost while we were praying. And uh, I'm telling you, God's doing some incredible, incredible things. Now, uh, bear with me. I'm, I'm almost through the preliminaries this morning. And uh, we don't always just have special Sundays like this. And so, uh, but I do have one other uh, very important announcement. And, uh, and uh, I asked my wife to, to join me because uh, these kind of announcements uh, are so poignant. Uh, but over the course of my life, I've had the privilege uh, of doing and being many things. And uh, for all of them, I am humbly grateful. Um, I married my wife in 1995 and added the title husband to my name. And what a privilege of a lifetime. Uh, when, you, when, when God gives you somebody special to spend the rest of your life with. And uh, then I can forever remember uh, th that uh, the day that, that uh, we were married, I became a husband, and then when we had our children, 
I became a father, and I thought, my goodness, life can never get better than this. But June 20th, or thereabout next year, I get to add another thing to my name. I'm going to be a grandpa. <laughs> Ain't that something? <laughs> Ain't that something? I want to say congratulations to my eldest son and my daughter who are expecting a child June of next year. Amen. And uh, I am absolutely beside. Now listen, I'm too young to be called grandpa. I, I mean, just way too young. Y'all, I don't have a single white hair on my head yet. And I mean, almost no wrinkles on my face. So I am feverishly trying to invent a new term for the dictionary to describe the state of life that I am in right now. But uh, I am so happy, so excited. And uh, that middle picture is how they told me about it. They walked in and handed me that basket. And uh, I just, I can't believe it. And I'm so excited. And uh, I'm excited for you all to meet that little precious angel when it comes. Amen. A couple more quick announcements. Somebody shout tonight. Don't miss church tonight. God's going to be in this place, and I got a word for you in this house. God's got a word for us tonight. And so if you have been a Sunday morning only saint, it's time for you to get with the program. Come on. Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. If you're only showing up on Sunday mornings, you're missing at least one-third of the word that God has for this house every week. Amen. And I don't care if you're tuning in on the line, watching somebody eat does not nourish you like being at the table, putting the food in your mouth. But it's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss Sunday Night Live tonight. And then Tuesday, somebody shout Tuesday. We will be having church on Tuesday night. As a matter of fact, it's going to be incredible. Our very own first lady will be speaking on Tuesday night. You don't want to miss it. We're also going to be graduating another round of Abundant Life graduates on Tuesday night. You don't want to miss that. Some more world changers. And, uh, and then somebody shout Sunday night, December 4th. Sunday night, December 4th. I have been looking at the calendar and praying and feeling after it. We will be doing communion and foot washing. Communion and foot washing will be Sunday night, December 4th. And I will take an opportunity at some point uh, between now and then to do some teaching on communion and foot washing. But I want you to get that date in your calendar. It will be important if you are a part of this church and, and you are full of the Holy Ghost, uh, that you be here for that service. 
And uh, we are expecting God to do great things. And then somebody shout Christmas morning. Christmas falls on a Sunday, and we will be having church that Sunday morning. There will be one service at 11 a.m. on Christmas morning. Somebody said, church on Christmas? Duh. Duh. I, did you, that's the whole reason we celebrate Christmas. The word Christmas simply is two words, Christ, mass. The word mass is just a Latin word for the, or a term for the word church. Christ, church. There ain't no better way to celebrate it than to be here in the house of God. Amen, somebody. Stand to your feet if you would. I want to hasten to the word of the Lord. I realize what time it is. Uh, but how many of you would be so gracious uh, to reset the clock this morning right now? Come on. How many of you would be so gracious uh, to, to, to not put God in, in, a, in a box this morning? I know we've had a long uh, preliminaries, uh, but I feel like God wants to speak to us today. And I'm going to be going to the book of Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 21. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 21, it was early, early 2021, one evening I was laying in bed on a Saturday night, and, uh, or it was a, a, maybe a Monday night rather, and I was praying, asking God for direction, for a word, and it was as if the Holy Ghost put an image uh, in my, into my mind. It was so shocking and came from nowhere that, that it, it troubled me. And, and I'll, I'll just tell you what the image was. It was the face of a saint of God in this church. And they had blood dripping down the sides of their mouth. And when I looked down in their hand, they were holding the body part of another saint of God in their hand. And the image was so disturbing that, 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 I, that I began to say, God, what, what, is this, what does this mean? And over the next 24 hours of that time, God uh, began to speak very clear to me. And uh, this week as I was fasting and as I was praying uh, in this time of fasting and prayer with the church, I felt the Lord revisit this in my spirit this morning. And uh, if you are here for the first time, uh, I, I want to tell you that normally Sunday mornings, uh, I mean, I, I am very evangelistic, and, and, and we are, uh, we're, we're, we're moving in a little bit different direction. But, but this morning, I've got to obey the Holy Ghost in this house. I know it's Sunday morning, but I, I cannot escape. And, and I wrestled with God. I said, Lord, I... I got a whole bunch of other cool stuff I could preach on Sunday morning. I could preach this another service. I could, and the Lord said, I want you to deliver that word tomorrow morning. And uh, so I'm going to obey the Holy Ghost today. Is that all right? And I anticipate a great move of God when we are finished here. Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 21 says, Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall kill 
shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, in other words, if you are angry with your brother, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there thou rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift." Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. And for a few moments, I want to read this in the Message Bible. It says, you are familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. But I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. And for a few moments this morning, I want to preach about murder in the church and the lost ministry of reconciliation. Would you put your Bibles down this morning and lift your voice one more time in the presence of the Lord? Come on, would you help me all across this house today Lord in the name of Jesus God we need you in this place God we're hungry for you we're desperate for you today Jesus God our hearts are open before you this morning and we want you to speak to us oh God Lord it's not my neighbor and it's not my brother and it's not my sister but it's me oh God standing in the need of prayer today speak to us in this house we'll give heed to your word in Jesus name we pray somebody shout in Jesus name you may be seated The book of Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. It becomes very apparent to us that as a child of God that we have a choice and that there are two ways in which we can walk. We can walk after the flesh or we can walk after the spirit. To walk after the flesh leads to a life 
of condemnation. To walk after the flesh leads us to a life of heartache and shame and sin and failure. And so as a Holy Ghost filled child of God, we must daily decide if we are going to walk after the flesh or if we are going to walk after the spirit. This is why praying in the Holy Ghost uh, every day uh, is so important uh, if you are going to live uh, for God. I need some help up in uh, this Holy Ghost church today. You cannot rebuke the flesh. You can't cast out flesh in Jesus' name. You can't uh, break flesh uh, just by speaking. You've got to do one thing. Uh, there's only one way uh, to overcome flesh. Uh, your flesh uh, has uh, to die. Oh, I'm, I'm already preaching this morning. Uh, if you're going to walk after the spirit uh, and not after the flesh, uh, that means that somewhere uh, in your walk with God every day, uh, you're going to have to find uh, an altar uh, and a place uh, where you get your carnal nature uh, and your flesh uh, and you put it on the altar uh, and it dies out to God and you allow the Holy Ghost to take control of your thoughts and you allow the Holy Ghost to take control of your actions and your decisions and your behavior. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 31 that I die daily. You've got to die every day. Come on, somebody. Repentance uh, and the experience of an altar uh, is not a once-a-week experience. Uh, if the preacher uh, happens to preach conviction, uh, if the preacher uh, happens to get you in uh, an altar call, uh, no, 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 somewhere uh, your walk with God uh, had better move to a place uh, where every single day uh, you've got a revelation uh, that my flesh uh, has to find an altar of death my carnal mind has to fall on an altar my emotions that come from the carnal mind have to be laid on an altar I die daily he goes on to write in verse number 5 for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. If you continue to live your life based off of fleshly motivations and carnal thinking, then you will mind the things of the flesh. That means the carnal things are what is going to control your mental capacity and your words and your actions. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Listen, for to be carnally minded is death. 
Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but to be carnally minded not only brings death to your walk with God, but it can cause death in the life of other people and their walk with God. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Some of us wonder why we are living a life of no peace. I just want peace. I just want the turmoil to stop. I'll tell you the best way is to get your carnal flesh on an altar and let it die so that the prince of peace can give you peace that passes all understanding. Because the carnal mind, verse 7, is enmity against God. It is the enemy of God is what that means. For it is not subject to the law of God and neither indeed can be. Listen, so then they that are in the flesh can not Please, God. You cannot operate under the influence of flesh and God be happy with your lifestyle. You cannot continue to operate under the influence of a carnal nature and God be happy with you and God be pleased with you. If you are going to live under the auspices of the carnal nature of your flesh, you will not be pleasing to your God. Carnal mindedness is associated with death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul deals with this dynamic and he is not talking to people in the club and he's not addressing people that are at the bar or people that are out in the world. He is talking to people that are in the church. He is not addressing carnality. That's what you expect in the world. You expect carnal thinking in the world. You expect carnal things from the world. But it not should not be in the house of the living God. And so, he is dealing with a dynamic in the church. This is a bishop who is writing a letter to the church to address concerns about behavior happening in the house of God. And he begins writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse number one, and he says this, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. 
He said, I had to come to you uh, on your level uh, because you are carnal, uh, because you're sitting in church uh, and you're distracted uh, instead of listening to the word of God. And you come here uh, with a mindset full uh, of carnality uh, because of the activity uh, of your day. Uh, he said, I couldn't come to you uh, in a spiritual matter, uh, but I had to come to you uh, on a carnal uh, level, even uh, as unto babes uh, in Christ. He said, I had to come to you like a new convert that did not have yet developed a spiritual walk with God. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, and neither yet now are ye able. He said, I got to keep preaching sermons like this. Because some of y'all haven't got off the bottle yet. I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm. And so he begins to say, in verse 3, there's a reason why. He says, for ye are yet carnal. The reason is, is that there is carnality. And he tells us exactly what he is talking about. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Can I read this to you out of the Living Bible? It puts it in a vernacular that would be more common to today. He says, dear brothers, I have been talking to you as though you were still just babies in the Christian life who are not following the Lord but you are following your own desires. I cannot talk to you as I would to healthy Christians who are filled with the Spirit. I have had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't digest anything stronger. And even now, you still have to be fed on milk. For ye are still only baby Christians, controlled by your own desires and not God's. When you are jealous of one another and divide up into quarreling groups, doesn't that prove that you are still babies wanting your own way? I didn't say it. The Apostle Paul said it. Wanting your own way. In fact, you are acting like people who don't belong to the Lord at all. You're not acting like somebody that's got the Holy Ghost. You're not behaving like somebody who's been baptized in that saving name. You're not acting like somebody uh, that's living a life with their sins repenting. Oh, I know this is strong this morning, uh, but I came to preach uh, the unabashed, unashamed word of God in this place. 
Can I read it to you out of the Message Bible today? He said, but for right now, friends, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. Paul said, I'm frustrated with how you're dealing with each other. He said, you're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Well then, I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. As long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important, are you really much different than a babe at the breast? Content only when everything's going your way. Paul was frustrated with them. And he said to the Roman church, to be spiritually minded is life and peace, but to be carnally minded is death. Your carnal mindset will produce spiritual death. Not just in yourself, but when you hang on to a carnal mindset, it will breed murderous behavior with other people, envying and strife and divisions. Paul in our text addresses the actions produced by a person with anger toward their brother. Or sister. Again, he describes it as envying and strife and division. And within the same context, he places these behaviors with the Old Testament commandment that thou shalt not kill. And he equates the same punishment of judgment and counsel and hellfire to those who through their carnal thinking become engaged in such activities and behavior against their brother or their sister. He identifies that it is nothing more than murder in the church. When there is envying and there is backbiting and there is conflict and unresolved issues. The apostle Paul said you are killing people in the church. I came to preach. I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm not trying to make you feel good or scratch your ears. But I am preaching under a mandate from God this morning to a triumphant church, to a destined church, to a prophetic church that for where God is taking us, we've got to address murder in the church and the lost ministry of reconciliation. Involved in killing people. Later in his address to the Galatians, 
Paul would deal again with this subject. In chapter 5 and verse 13 through 17, here's what he says. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. He said, you're taking liberties with your brother and sister that you shouldn't be taking. You're talking to them in ways that you have no business talking to each other. Instead of serving and loving one another, you're letting things just come out of your mouth. You're letting things just spill out of your spirit. You're taking liberties with your words that are killing your brother and sister when you should be loving and serving them. Verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another. He uses the language of cannibalism. Devouring, biting one another. These are actions that use an instrument of your body that the book of James says is the most unruly evil, the mouth. Biting with your mouth, devouring people with your words, killing people. And then cannibalizing them. Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. That word consumed also has connotation with the book of James where it says that your tongue sets a little fire that can destroy everything around it. You don't even realize that one snarky comment. You don't even understand that a few poisonous words can burn down an entire forest. I'm preaching to somebody in the building this morning. Hear me, you don't have an excuse. You've got the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized in his name. God's given you his word. God, come on, God's given you everything you need to, to crush your carnality and to bring your mouth and your mind in submission to the Holy Ghost. When you study the majority of wildfires that have broke out in our country and burned down hundreds and thousands of acres of forest, destroyed homes and families and taken lives, in almost every case, it started with something as simple as a cigarette being thrown out the window. Just a little ember hitting some grass. Just a little thing. A, a little campfire that I thought I could control. 
See, that's how this stuff starts, is we get more and more comfortable with things we say about other people. We start getting comfortable with making negative remarks about people, little match. And it's only here or there, and, and because it just stays, you know, it just, I only said it to three people. I only said it to, to, to my three best friends. Honey, they ain't your best friends if they sat and listened to you say it. Let me start there. I, I can control. I know what the Word of God says, and, and I know what the Holy Ghost is dealing with me about, but, but it's just a little bit, and it's just in private. Hey, baby, when you're in the presence of God, there is nothing in private. I don't care if you said it by yourself, sitting in your bathroom on the toilet. God heard it, and he knows that it's in your heart, and it's sin, and if you don't repent and if you don't get it right God said you are a murderer just a little fire a controlled fire this fire has good purpose I'm warming my hands with it and it usually comes under the guise of we got to pray for them I want you to help me pray about something with so and so I want you to help me you're not fooling anybody but yourself. Your tongue is lighting a fire. And before you know it, it causes a situation and things are burning down all around you uh, that you never intended to even happen. Uh, that is because life and death is in the power of your tongue. And this is what he's addressing Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm going to tell you what our problem is. Some of us aren't praying. I said, some of us aren't praying. You're not praying in your daily walk with God, and therefore your carnal man is ruling your life. You're not praying every day, and therefore the carnal mind is what is regulating your thoughts. And so when you get angry, your thoughts just run wild with carnal things. And when you don't like something, your mouth starts running wild with whatever you want. Because the Holy Ghost has been put in a box, and it's not regulating your mind and your word and your spirit. And you are living a life of carnality. You're not praying in your daily walk with God. And then you come to church, and when has the last time been? that you heeded to the word of God that tries to convict you? When is the last time that you fell on your face in an altar with tears rolling down your face and said, God, I gotta get this out of me. God, I gotta be cleansed. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. How long do you think you can live in a place of dryness without your world starting to burn down around you? You walk in the Spirit, 
You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Come on, I'm standing on his word this morning. If you'll pray, you won't have to make excuses for how you talk. If you'll pray in the Holy Ghost, you won't have to make excuses and blame people for the way that you're treating them because the Holy Ghost will regulate your mind and it'll regulate your heart and you'll forgive people before they ever do anything wrong. You'll learn how to let it go instead of holding on to anger and bitterness and ah, somebody in the building, you don't want God to put you on his most wanted list uh, as a murderer uh, in the church. Walk in the spirit. That's the answer. It's time for you to start praying again. It's time for you to grab your dirty, rotten flesh and put it on an altar again. It's time for you to grab the will of your flesh and your mind and sacrifice it again. For the flesh, verse 17, lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that you would. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm not supposed to say that. I'm not supposed to think that, but I can't and I will. And I, you know what, it, what you're dealing with? Stubbornness. Stubbornness. You're dealing with self-will. And at the root of self-will is the spirit of rebellion. It, it is what was found in the heart of Satan who said, I will. I will. I will. Driven by my own desires. Driven by the carnal desires. I will. The Bible says that stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. Why? Because you are exalting your flesh and will above the will of God. You're lifting up your own passion and feelings above what God said is the right thing to do. Stubbornness is as idolatry and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Jesus said plainly, hear me church, I don't have any friends in this building this morning. I don't have any relatives in this building this morning. I'm God's man. Jesus said it plainly. Whosoever is angry with his brother, can I just add, or sister, without a cause, now, I know that says without a cause, but I, I, I challenge you to study the scripture because here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.31. It says to put away all anger. Why? Because the scripture tells us emphatically in James chapter 1 that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness 
of God. You cannot accomplish the righteousness of God through your anger. Whosoever is angry with his brother or sister without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. God puts you on the same pew as the unrepented sinner. Got your Holy Ghost dress on and sin in your heart. Got your three-piece suit on and iniquity in your tongue. God said, you'll bust hell wide open with your apostolic self if you're angry with your brother. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. This is not just the experience of being angry with somebody, but it is the manifestation of that undealt with anger. That word raka in the Greek is a word that means in contempt. One attacks the intellect of another person as being worthless or empty. To attack somebody, their mindset and their intellect, raka. The word fool here comes from the the word moros, which is even worse than raka. It means to scorn and call into question someone's heart and character. You run around talking about a brother or sister, declaring raka or or moros. You call into question their intellect. You're calling into question their motives. You call into question what's going on in their heart. And you run around calling raka and moros about your brother or your sister. You are being murderous in your behavior. You are lighting a fire to your brother or sister and you are trying to burn them alive with your words. Trying to marginalize them with other people. When this happens, you're placing yourself in danger of hellfire. The word of God goes on to say, therefore, understanding this dynamic, when you come to the altar and remember that your brother has ought against you. And I love this right here because the responsibility of reconciliation is not placed on the offender. They're the ones that did wrong. They're the ones that got to make it right. Wrong. Oh, it got quiet right there. It, it got re- y'all got amnesia. Y'all y'all got dyslexic on the word. Some of y'all lost your hearing all of a sudden. He said, "When you go to the altar 
and you remember that somebody else has a problem with you, don't wait for them to make things right. I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. Don't wait for them to make things right. It's your responsibility if you're going to be what God wants you to be. And if you are going to take place and take part in resolving and diminishing and vanquishing the spirit of murder in the church, then you've got to be the one to take responsibility. Here's the situation. Jesus is dealing with people who are trying to bring their gift to the altar while at the same time living in discord with their brother or sister. Jesus is telling them, leave your gift on the altar and go be reconciled with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Your gift means nothing to me if you have aught against your brother or sister. Your gift has no value to me Listen, catch this. If you don't do your part to go make it right with them. But I didn't say nothing. That doesn't matter according to the word of God. But God, I'm innocent. God said, I'm not receiving your gift. Because if you don't make an active attempt in sincerity to get it right, then you're just as culpable for allowing it to go on. Come on, I'm preaching. Woo, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. He said, if you don't make every effort in your power to make it right, then you are just as culpable for allowing it to fester and allowing the fire to keep getting bigger and bigger. Put your gift down and go to your brother or your sister. Put your gift down first and go to them and do whatever you have to do to get it right. I'm going to preach more about this tonight. I'm going to be in a completely different vein, but let me, let me stop here to say God puts a premium on handling these situations because this is a womb by which God is birthing babies. And when there is that kind of behavior happening, you endanger the life and the future life of potential children in the kingdom of God. I'm just going to be plain this morning. I should not have to sit and counsel with brand new converts about why seasoned saints can't talk to each other with respect and quit fighting with each other. Come on, somebody. It should not be that a brand new baby 
has more sense than a seasoned child of God to understand that that behavior doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. And what could possibly be so big that you're not willing to let it go and fix it and humble yourself and get it right? God forbid that there are babies in this church that struggle for spiritual life because of the negative influence of people that cannot get through their carnal thinking and their carnal mind. God forbid that a baby in this church gets discouraged and confused and blindsided as the fallout of watching other people in the church that don't know how to love each other and don't know how to forgive each other and don't know how to respect and honor one another. God forbid, woe unto you that offend a little one of these. Woe unto you that harm one of these little ones. It would have been better for you that a millstone be hung around your neck and cast into the sea than for you to offend one of these babies. God forbid that when the forensic report on the backslider is finished, they found your fingerprints on their throat. God forbid that the forensic report comes back and your carnal mouth has been all over them. The things you said and the way you conducted your behavior played a part in the enemy killing them. Preaching about murder in the church. The lost ministry of reconciliation. Some of us wonder why we feel such a sense of loneliness and rejection. We start thinking, it's the church I go to. It's all these people. It's this person. You want to know what it is? It's God standing at the altar rejecting your gift because you got ought in your heart that you won't make right with people. You're not feeling the rejection of the church or the rejection of people. What you're feeling is the stop sign of God saying, I don't want to hear you. I'm not going to talk to you. I don't want to know. The first thing you need to do is go get things right with your brother and your sister. How can you say that you love God whom you have not seen and you cannot love your brother whom you have seen? Your gifts are more than monetary contributions. It's your time and your talents. And God said your gifts are unusable to the kingdom of God while there is division between you and your brother or sister. You cannot be a gift to the same body 
in which you are an agent of division. I'm going to say that again for somebody. You cannot be a gift to the same body in which you are an agent of division. If gifts are rendered useless and you harbor division in your spirit. If you want your gifts to be accepted, then first go get your heart right with people that you are struggling with. Your pride is going to take you to hell. Your arrogance and your unwillingness is going to take you to a devil's hell. God said, go get it right with them. This is what happened in Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. Cain was dealing with pride and envy and jealousy and He was over here pouting. And God said, Cain, why are you sitting over here in the corner? Won't come to the altar and pray. Why are you sitting over here in the corner sulking and moping around? And he called him out on it. You're upset because of your brother. He said, Cain, if you would just do what I'm telling you to do, I'd bless you and accept you just like I did your brother. His problem is, is that he had his eyes on his brother instead of on what God was requiring of him. Cain, why are you even worried about what your brother gave? I gave you a commandment. You need to be focused on what you're supposed to be doing to be right with me. It's inconsequential what your brother or sister is doing. I'm preaching to somebody in the building. It's time for you to get your eyes off of people. It is inconsequential to you uh, whether or not your brother or sister uh, is doing the right thing or the wrong thing uh, or they mixed up uh, or they did this uh, or they did that. Uh, Who cares? You had better get your eyes uh, on what you're supposed to be doing and keeping your heart clean and keeping your spirit right. God will work on your brother. God will work on your sister. It's not your job. It's not your position. It's not your responsibility to worry about them because when you're focused on them, it's going to breed bitterness in your heart. Come here, Brother Eddie. I'm picking on him because I know I can. Doesn't he look awesome? If Brother Eddie decides... That he's going to go behind my back and say stuff and do stuff and work stuff. I'm going to come to him in love and talk to him about it. If he's not willing to make things right or, or work with me to get things right. It's none of my business. You want to know what my job is? To make sure I don't get bitterness in my heart. 
to make sure I don't have unforgiveness in my heart, to make sure I ain't sitting around treating him like a stepchild. You want to know what my job is? To love them that hate you. I'm preaching the word. To bless them that despitefully use you. Come on, I know you don't like that, but that's what God said to do. You want to know what your responsibility is? Just keep on loving them, but you don't know what they're saying about me. Love them anyway. You don't know what they did to me. Love them anyway. You don't know what they're telling. You don't know the rumors they're spreading. Who cares? You better worry about your heart. You better worry about your spirit. Don't you open your mouth and start setting fire to your brother and sister. Get your pride out of the way. Jesus said, they lied on me when I did nothing wrong to them. They put me on a cross, stuck nails in my hand, thank you. They put a crown of thorns on my head. They embarrassed me in front of everybody and I did nothing but bless them. And you know what he said? If I being the master have to suffer, what makes you think? In another place he said, except you're willing uh, to take up your cross uh, and follow me, uh, you're not even worthy. Uh, you say you want to be a Christian, uh, which means to be Christ-like. Uh, that includes carrying uh, a cross. Uh, that includes uh, learning uh, how to handle uh, humanity. Uh, that includes uh, learning uh, how to keep your spirit right uh, when other people uh, are challenged in their own spirit. Cain, Cain, get your eyes off of people, man. And just worry about doing right in what I told you to do. You want to know what happens when people refuse to take responsibility for themselves? They begin to murder. That's what happened to Cain. He refused to deal with his own situation. And he would not get the vile, bitter vitriol out of his spirit against his brother and eventually it led him to murdering his brother I'll do whatever I gotta do and say to defend myself I'm willing to do it uh, you, you know I've heard people that say I'm just gonna say what I feel I'm just gonna tell it like it is you wanna know what that is that's an unbridled tongue that's not something to brag about. That's something you need to repent about. You had better learn to put your thoughts into captivity and bring them under the obedience of Christ. We don't just speak everything on our mind. We don't just manifest every vile thought that comes to our spirit in our mind. I'm just going to tell him. I'm just going to tell him. I'm just going to I'll tell you what you're doing. You are engaging in murder in the church and you lack revelation about the power of your words. You've got to restrain your tongue. Restrain your mouth. The word reconciled, I, I'm trying to hurry music come and give them some hope. I, I promise you we don't normally have church this long. And I normally don't preach this long. And I'm not going to preach this long tonight. 
The word reconciled comes from the word dialasso, which means to change thoroughly, to conciliate, which means to bring together. To reconciliate means to bring together again. To reconcile means we were together and we allowed stuff to separate us. And so now we have to fix the differences that separate us. That's what it means to reconcile your checkbook. It means the bank says you have this much, but your register says you have that much. There's a difference. To reconcile means I'm going to work through it until I find the mistake. I'm going to work through it until I find where the mistake was. And then I'm going to fix the mistake. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is. It's a determination that says it doesn't matter whose fault it was. There's something greater than placing blame. That's getting the problem fixed. When you have the spirit of reconciliation, then getting things right with your brother and sister means more to you than proving who was right and who was wrong. Pride is the only thing that cares about who was right and who was wrong. Come on, somebody. I said pride is the only thing that wants to keep championing who was right and who was wrong. But reconciliation says there's something more important. I can't be divided with my brother or my sister. And this principle of, of, the, of God's kingdom has its origin in the awareness that it was first God who reconciled us to himself. Hear me, somebody. Before you start leveling things at your sister and your brother, you remember that God reconciled you when we weren't worthy. And God reconciled you when you were unlovable. And he reconciled you uh, when you were wrong. And he reconciled you uh, when you didn't deserve it. And he reconciled you uh, when he should uh, have forgot about you. Uh, he removed uh, all of the obstacles. Uh, he worked through your mistakes. Uh, he worked through your shortcomings uh, until he could reconcile. And if God did it for you, uh, then the least you can do uh, is do it with your brother. Uh, and do it for your sister. Uh, I'm preaching to somebody in the building. Uh, it's time uh, to let the ministry uh, of reconciliation uh, begin to work in your life. We can't go into a new year dragging nonsense with us. I want to preach to some people in the building because some of us, our instinct is the same as Adam and Eve's in the garden. Instead of facing sin, we run from it. We run from relationships. I just won't talk to them. You're running. 
I just said on the other side of the church, you're running. I'll just pick up my family and move to another church somewhere. You are running. And you can't run from yourself. Because when you get there, you'll still have to deal with you. And people will still be people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. He said, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus. Listen. And hath given to us. Somebody say us. Somebody say me. Hath given to me the ministry of reconciliation. God said, I reconciled you to me and now I'm going to put the same mantle of anointing on you. To reconcile people. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world. Don't miss this. Reconciling the world to himself. He's given us the example. Christ reconciled the world to himself. How? Not imputing their trespasses unto them. You know what that means? God said, I'm going to reconcile you to me. And in order for me to do that, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Not imputing. I'm not going to give you the judgment that your actions call for. But instead, I'm going to delete the mishap in order to bring you close to me. And God's getting sick and tired of some of us. After he's reconciled you. After his blood has covered you. After God has been patient with you, after God has been long-suffering with you, you want to sit in the church and have a standoff with people and tell them I'm not moving until they do this or that. They did me wrong and bless God until they fix it. I'm not moving. Don't you dare get on your knees one more time. And ask God to forgive you. Don't you dare get on your knees one more time. And ask God for his mercy. When we can't show mercy to somebody else in our life. Undeserved mercy. My God I feel like preaching. Uh, Hear me. You didn't deserve the mercy God gave you. Uh, You weren't so good uh, that you deserved uh, the patience uh, and the long suffering. Uh, You deserve judgment. You deserve for what? But God said, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Instead of judging you, I'm going to love you. And instead of making you pay the price, I'm going to give you another chance. How dare we hold other people to a level that God did not hold us to? If you're going to reconcile your brother and sister you got to be willing to come to them and say, listen, I know we had a, a, a mess up and I know this was said none. Listen, brother, I don't care about that anymore. All I care about is that you and I uh, have nothing between us. Uh, I love you. Uh, I want to make it to heaven uh, and I want you to go with me. Don't you wait. Won't you wait for them 
that stand as I get ready to close. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God has charged you with the responsibility to use your words to bring reconciliation between you and your brother and sister. I'm going to close with this. The path to reconciliation involves a few things. Number one, facing the problem. God's Spirit will smite and convict us when there are unsettled differences between us and our brother. Being mature enough to face the matter within itself is usually the catalyst to bringing peace. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. If you want peace, you got to go make peace. Number two, you've got to be willing to admit that there is a problem and have enough honesty and integrity to admit that the problem might include me and my actions. We must get it out in the open and quit ignoring deep-seated, long-held resentments. Number three, showing true Christian humility. Humility usually precedes our going but must be manifested through the reconciliation process. It means I'm not going to come to you. Now, I'm not happy about what you said, but I guess I better do what Bishop said to, to when he preached. No, Cain. You need to go to your brother or sister and don't worry one bit about what they did. Not one bit about what they did. And go take ownership for yourself. Brother, I'm sorry. Whatever it was I said, whatever I did to allow things to get this way, I, I, I'm sorry. Please, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me, brother? But I didn't do anything wrong. You lack wisdom and revelation. Number one is that's arrogance. Number two is the moment you change your posture with them, you step out of the way and God starts dealing with them. Number four, have a repentant spirit. <laughs> this is essential in any effort of reconciliation. We have to demonstrate godly sorrow that works true change in our demeanor towards somebody. We have to seek forgiveness on our part and our brother's part. And you better get this revelation. This isn't a one-time experience. But as long as we're on this side of eternity, you're going to have to learn 
how to love your brother and sister in their mistakes, in their frailties, in their shortcomings, and forgive one another as Christ hath forgiven you. I want us all to come. I'm getting ready to close. I want us all to come this morning. I'm making an appeal to the whole church this morning to come to this altar. Making an appeal to the whole church to come to the altar to pray. While you're coming, I want you to hear me. Heaven is too precious, and eternity is too long. For me to miss the mark because I, I let pride get in my spirit and I let pride separate me from a brother or a sister in the church. It's time for some of us to get a reality check about people and the church. The church is a hospital. Did you hear me? It's a hospital. And we're reaching people from every walk of life. And we're inviting them to, experiencing, to experience the saving power of God that we've experienced. How then do we expect the church to be full of perfection? If we can be honest enough to tell ourselves that we're not perfect then why would we expect that from everybody else? Why would we get angry when stuff is going on in the church and start saying, well, the church this and the church that? Are you kidding me? If you leave to go find a church that doesn't have all that in it, do me a favor. When you get there, don't join it because you'll mess it up. Because now they'll have a liar in their midst. Listen, I promise you, when Noah got on that ark, God said, get your family. Get everybody you can. Get on this ark. It's the only way. They, I, I promise you, there was some stuff going on in that ark. There ain't no way you're that close together with, with those kind of people for that long and not have to deal with some. And not only that, they had all those animals on the ark. You know what that means? That means there was a whole lot of dookie on that ark. There's some stinky stuff they had to deal with in that ark. And I can imagine that at some point it would be easy to say, you know what? I'm sick of the stinky stuff in this ark. What kind of a place is this? I am tired of dealing with these people and my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law and my sister and just saying I can't deal with them no more. And you know what? All they had to do was take one peek out the window at the floating bodies and the carnage of destruction to all of a sudden turn around and say, God, thank you for the ark. Thank you for the church. God, I know it's got challenges. God, I know it's got situations. God, I know we got to work. But God, thank you for saving me. And thank you for rescuing me. I want us to lift our hands all over this building. 
Come on, I want us to lift our hands. The Holy Ghost is speaking to us all over this place. Come on, I want us to begin to pray. I'm telling you what God is doing right now. God is preparing us. And the Holy Ghost is talking to us today. And while we begin to pray, I don't want anybody looking around. I don't want nobody. I want your eyes closed as you begin to pray. But as you begin to pray, God's going to begin to talk to you. And God's going to begin to deal with you. And I'm going to encourage you this morning. If there's some people in this building that you need to get things right with, don't you wait another moment. Don't you push the word of God to the side. Don't you quench the spirit this morning. Don't resist the Holy Ghost this morning and say, I'm not going to do it. Come on, I'm not going to do I don't want to do it in front of people. I don't want to. That's your pride getting in the way. That's your carnality trying to sabotage. Come on, I got to get my heart right. I got to get my spirit right. Come on, God, forgive me of murder. God, forgive me for hurting my brother. Forgive me for hurting my sister. God, forgive me. I got to be right with you. Come on, in Jesus' name. Part of God's body. It is His will. Come on. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on. Somebody right now. Somebody right now, heed the word of God. Heed the word of God in this place. Heed the word of God in this house. Come on. Come on, the Holy Ghost is talking to us. Come on, the Holy Ghost is dealing with us. Come on, the Holy Ghost is dealing with us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, humble yourself. 